Lord, from your ancient lesson, speak to us the one we need for the living of these days. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Our New Testament scripture is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Here again God's word for you and for me. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are in our third and final week of this series on the teaching to love our enemies. And we've come between the prophet Micah and now hearing from Jesus himself to some of the harshest words we have in scripture. Certainly some of the harshest words Jesus spoke in his earthly ministry. This passage in Matthew's gospel is a direct lesson on the hypocrisy and pride that estrange people from God and each other. It's not theoretical. This is not a metaphor. Jesus is actively telling his listeners in the first century and telling us now that we're hypocrites. We see ourselves as better than, more faithful than, more deserving than those around us. Jesus takes aim at two particular strains of hypocrisy and pride. And lest we hear this scripture and think it's Jesus giving us ammunition against the people we think are hypocrites, I'm going to speak in the first person plural all the way through this message. This is not a scripture directed out there to some other people. It is directed to us, all of us. Jesus was frustrated, angry even in his day by those who had positions of authority and use them not to build community and love each other, but to judge and exclude, to self-promote. In this passage, he has come to his wit's end with some of the religious leaders of his time. You heard them called the scribes and the Pharisees. Their task, their work, was to uphold the law and tradition, but they kept seeking status for themselves. They sit on Moses' seat. You heard that image. It's an image for the role of interpreting the law, the law of Moses, and having a visible place of importance. We might think of it like being in the center chair on a dais or having top billing on a program. But the people with the greatest influence were using it for their own recognition, not to uphold the law and invite others to it. 
Now, I'm sorry to say that because those first century religious leaders were Jewish, there have been many anti-Semitic readings of this text. People have wrongly gotten stuck on the roles of those temple leaders Jesus addressed, and they've missed the point that Jesus was a Jew speaking to his own community, teaching a lesson not about Jews, but about the human condition. Every faith tradition in history has been made up of human beings, and human beings throughout history have been plagued by the desire to be the greatest, to gather up praise for ourselves at the expense of others, missing our shared call to love. So let me be clear that in this lesson, Jesus is speaking to us. Now that I've told you that it's about hypocrisy, the first instruction might surprise us. We hear Jesus telling the crowd that they should follow what the religious leaders teach. After all, they are trained in the law, and the law is God's gift to the community. But here's the rub. The crowd should follow what the scribes and Pharisees teach, but Jesus says they should not do as the scribes and Pharisees do. You've heard the phrase, do as I say and not as I do. You can be honest. You've heard it. Maybe you've even said it to your children or grandchildren at some point in life. Goodness knows some of my least proud moments as a parent have come when I realize I am doing the very thing I just told my children not to do. You can ask them what that is later. That old adage, do as I say and not as I do, it captures the problem Jesus has with the scribes and the Pharisees. They're saying the right words, but their actions betray them. Jesus says the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do what they teach you, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. Jesus doesn't mince words. There are two main things these community leaders are doing that we are not to do. First, they are laying heavy expectations on others but not holding themselves to the same standards. Matthew puts it this way, they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. This image of heaviness refers to the weight of all the rules and procedures the scribes and Pharisees enforced. Preacher Tom Long calls it moral bean counting. When we are quick to expect others to hold the line, but unwilling to hold it for ourselves. Second, the scribes and Pharisees are doing things just to get credit. Matthew says they do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They're being showy and seeking attention. Now, I know that the word phylacteries is not one we use very often. I'm going to talk about it. I think it's fascinating. This is the only place it appears in the New Testament. There is a related word in Hebrew, and even that one only appears three times in the Old Testament. So four mentions of phylacteries. A phylactery was something like a little box that had scripture rolled up inside it, or a little strip of leather that had scripture written on it, and it was worn as a reminder to the wearer to obey God's word. Sometimes the little container was tied to the inside of a garment sleeve and attached to a finger, sort of on your forearm, so that when the wearer held his arm to his heart, 
Scripture would be close to his heart. In the ancient world, these phylacteries were worn by male kids 13 years old and over during their morning prayers as a tangible and personal reminder of who the wearer was and how he was supposed to live. But the scribes and Pharisees have made these into a display. They're wearing their phylacteries, not small and discreet against their hearts, but broad, so that everybody could see how pious and faithful they are. Their reminders to obey are now for show. Think about the outward markers we wear. Maybe a cross necklace or a bumper sticker or those WWJD, remember those? What would Jesus do bracelets were very popular when I was a teenager. Those are phylacteries. If you're a nun, you don't wear a rosary to be seen as faithful. You wear a rosary to be in prayer all the time. These modern phylacteries can humble us. They can draw us closer to God. But if we wear them to be seen as good, we've elevated ourselves over the very people the reminders tell us to love. I remember a time little over 22 years ago now, when I had to appear at a presbytery meeting to be voted on at a stage in the ordination process, different presbytery, don't worry about Atlanta, several candidates at this meeting were up front, and we each spoke about our faith journeys and how we had experienced a call to ministry. It was a beautiful moment, remarkable even, that people continue to be called to the church in the world today. But before the vote could be taken, a gentleman stood up in the back, and rather than posing a question to any of the candidates, he began to judge and criticize us for the differences between our faith journeys and his. He thought his journey to ordination was truer to God's call, and he wanted us all to know it. I was standing there confused. I remember distinctly the feeling With this group of seekers up front, nervous because we were going to be voted on, I remember trying to process the incongruities of the moment. This was a person, you can visualize with me, he was wearing a shirt with the logo of a local congregation embroidered in the corner. He was wearing a three-inch metal cross on a leather strap around his neck. He led with the fact that he had been a pastor for a long career. This was the most vivid analogy of phylacteries I have ever experienced. Everything you could see about him suggested that he would use authority to know others and build up community. But instead, in that moment, he was self-promoting, judgmental, and unloving. The phylacteries meant to keep us humble can become emblems of our hypocrisy and pride. Jesus took issue with the leaders of his day for seeing themselves as the greatest. The scribes and Pharisees love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seat in the synagogue and to be the greatest in the marketplace. They love to have people call them with titles of respect. In other words, they wanted to be honored and acknowledged and to feel important. And don't we all? That's human nature. We want to feel respected and honored and important. But for those who follow God's law, 
Seeking to be honored misses the point. Our goal is never our own recognition or importance. It's not the best seat at worship, which here is apparently the far back corner. It is not the lead seat at the banquet or dinner party or host table. If the scribes and Pharisees were fulfilling their sacred duties, they would have been overjoyed when another person got the law and was able to live in faith. But instead, they sought their own status over the work of faithful community. That lesson about hypocrisy and pride is enough. It's convicting for all of us today. But there's another layer to it as we read it in this season, alongside Matthew 5, 43 to 44. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. At the heart of an enemy relationship is the belief that we are better than another that we are right in our behavior and our beliefs, that we deserve love and acclaim, and our enemy does not, because our enemies are hypocrites, and we are not. We are the greatest. Arthur Brooks will, of course, be here Thursday, and he writes about our culture as one of contempt, a place where we're past disagreement about policy and ideas Instead, we are now living with the belief that others are actually less deserving of dignity and respect than we are, even that others are less human than we are. We see ourselves as motivated by love, but we ascribe hateful motives to our enemies. Brooks writes that our nation is addicted to contempt. In 2018, the nonprofit More in Common did a study about political attitudes in this country. And 93% of Americans, can you imagine 93% of Americans agreeing about anything? 93% of Americans said that they were tired of how divided we have become as a country. So why hasn't our division changed? Why haven't we come back together and found greater unity in those five years when we all say that we don't want to live this way, in part because of hypocrisy. We see the other as responsible for all this contempt. We see ourselves as righteous. We aren't the ones causing this division, so it isn't ours to correct. So long as we hide behind our phylacteries, burden others with our moral bean counting, and do not see the logs in our own eyes, there will not be much unity among us and we will carry on as enemies. Jesus gives us a different mindset, one in which the greatest among us is the one who does not insist that he's right. Quiet, the humble, the listener, not the leader clamoring for the highest seat, but the one who becomes a servant. The exalted will be humbled, and the humble will be exalted. Friends, we do not deserve more than anyone else. But we all come to our Lord in need, and the greatest among us will love all, even our enemies. May our Lord humble and correct us. May our Lord give us hearts for love. Amen.